Thank you so much for joining me today for this episode of the Automate Construction Podcast. I wanted to have you on to discuss your company, Natura EcoCorp, and uh, your work automating construction. Yeah, yeah. Thank you as well. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really glad to have the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the, the, the things we're actually doing and trying actually to, to accomplish. Yeah, and you've built your own equipment rather than some of the other companies I've talked to have bought printers from print manufacturers. So uh, that's correct, right? Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, we started the company back in 2020 in uh, August 26th. And the main goal is actually to be a, a technology tech company, let's say, data-driven mm -hmm. and develop our own technology with materials and then offer printing services in the end. Yeah, awesome. That's kind of an all-inclusive vision, and it's important because all of those things need development, and they're dependent on each other. So the printer you use or the mixing pump system you use may be dependent on the material you develop. Uh, so I can't wait to get into some of those things. Let's start at the beginning. And so how did you form your team and come to the conclusion that this business needed to be built? Um, yeah, well, uh, it started back in 2016 when I was like traveling to Europe. Actually, uh, I'm, I was living back then in Serbia, the Balkan region. And uh, I always noticed that there were like so many homes which aren't finished or that the projects seemed to me personally to be like having so much more time needed than actually planned maybe by the construction company or the investor. And um, I just thought maybe there could be some kind of solution there, but I had actually no idea. And then uh, 20, uh, at the end of 2016, um, I started like a bit like uh, practicing with 3D printers, PLA and SLS, SLA technology and printed my kids some toys. Mm -hmm. And then my wife said, uh, which was pretty funny because neither she nor I am, uh, we're not from tech business. I'm a language teacher and she's in a chiropractor. And so we just thought like, maybe let's try and read a bit more about it. And then I read things which were horrifying to me, how many deaths there are uh, in the country, in Serbia, for example, every year, or actually in Europe or the world. Mm -hmm. And so on, the many issues the, constru the construction company, uh, industry is facing. And then I actually spent two years in just reading, uh, preparing myself and seeing if there's some kind of way I could contribute to finding a solution. Um, and then uh, how life is actually, I spent a day with my kids on a playground and the body of mine, which I haven't seen like in four years, just popped up and we was started talking because he is actually from Switzerland. And I just explained to him what I'm actually trying to do. And on that meeting, while we were watching our kids, he just said, okay, I'm going to invest 100,000 francs. Wow. I was like, what? And he said, yeah, I'm, I was looking like for someone who is uh, passionate about something or wants to have like a bigger impact than just like making money. Of course, money is important in the end. And then just all of a sudden, I was like given that kind of responsibility, not only to use the money smart, but actually have a team around me. And uh, yeah, and then I started just like digging more and more into it, um, talking to a bunch of people I knew on may or maybe they knew that they could like uh, refer me to. And um, yeah, so it took me, which wasn't actually that long. So um, that was uh, October 1st where he just transferred the money to the company's account. And uh, by November 14, 2020, we had a team, just like the, the base, uh, which was uh, a mechanical engineer, an architect, um, a graphical designer, and myself. And we just started trying to accomplish something. And then came two or three other guys as well. And yeah, so just that that's how it started. Yeah, wow. So I guess one of the first things you need to do is start printing something so that you can start testing material. Uh, yep. What did that V1 look like? Um, so actually by the time we had the team, we didn't have actually any kind of idea what kind of printer we want to uh, build. So we just started with the simple gantry system, the DLL 1.0, uh, which took us like, uh, six or seven months. So by the, by the, by the end of the first quarter, 2021, we finished the printer, but then all in between that time. Uh, we talked to uh, Lafarge from Serbia, then Biasef, 
and the people I knew there just to have us like um, guide us through the process of actually developing the material, which was, of course, you can imagine just an, a thing, an adventure, printing and then failing and then began printing and failing. It took us eight months uh, until the end of, set, let's say, first quarter again, but we still didn't manage to do anything. Uh, it was just like the video you posted, for example, uh, on your uh, Instagram account was just a success for us back then. But it was way, way far from the, the vision I have uh, as a perfect, like, beautiful material and stuff. And so then we had a, a huge um, downfall because we run out of money uh, while talking to different investors. And then we had this, like, stop until uh, April 9th, 2021 where we were like launched again. And then from April, we needed another six or seven months to just like test, 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 R&D, R&D, R&D and everything uh, until we managed to actually get the kind of material that we were like thinking, okay, this is something we can show to the outside world. Yeah. And so I'm sure there were a lot of adjustments you made along the way to your system. Uh, yeah. How did the material change? How did the mixing system change? And how did the printer change uh, since uh, then? Yeah, um, so the, the biggest issue was actually um, getting to the point where we have this constant flow of material without these bubbles or without any mm -hmm. uh, cracks uh, and, and holes in the material and so on. Uh, how we managed to do that is we started with a simple concrete mixer which was like the simplest thing we bought for i think 1500 euros a used one from a small village back to the town where we were developing the company and um yeah we just like manually mixed it together and just gave our soul into it to try and get something out of it and then it broke down but fortunately we had uh, a, a plan B, let's say, and that's what we, when we were talking to PFT from Germany, and then we bought from them uh, silos from, I think, it's, I think, uh, on 100 kilograms or something like that. I, I forgot the, the exact amount. And it's a Lotus uh, XL uh, mixer, which is actually used for uh, mortar. Mm -hmm. And then we just, what we did is we manually uh, adapted it to the point where we could like have cycles of exactly 12 seconds of mixing and pouring through the three areas, the dry mixing area, then adding the water with the additives and then mixing it again in the third area, the dry, uh, the, the wet mixing area. And of course the fibers had to be changed from glass fibers to PLA fibers. Uh, the, the size of the material also, we went down, I think from, from four millimeters to 1.1 or 1.2 millimeters. Um, and yeah, there were like many adjustments, but the biggest issue we actually had is, um, getting layer onto layer without uh, losing height when the layers mm -hmm. get on top of each other. So that, for example, if we plan one meter, that in the end it's one meter. Uh, and yeah, so absolutely. It's, it, it took us hours and hours. The guys put their sweat into it and heart into it, which I mostly appreciated because um, they also have, you know, families back there and I have two kids and the wife and, but we said, no, this is what we have to do. We have a milestone for 2021 and yeah, I'm, I would, that was an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. One of the projects you completed was a demo house that was printed in a bunch of smaller elements using uh, your printer on a rail system. What are the dimensions of that printer? The dimensions are actually pretty small. Uh, it can print up to 1.8 meters in height and uh, 1.6 meters or 1.7 meters uh, wide mm -hmm. uh, in length. It's uh, indefinite, but we uh, just said, okay, we're going to do it uh, our most maximum two meters length mm -hmm. uh, just for the tryouts because it is a prototype and the prototype was actually designed only to test materials. But uh, since we had so much time spent into designing the material the way we want it, 
we absolutely didn't have the means necessary to actually get onto the second printer, which then happened by the end of 2021. But um, yeah, so we did what we had to do and just like decide, okay, we're going to build a house in modules. And how many modules was that demo house? Uh, nine modules in total. Mm -hmm. And each of the nine modules, how much time did it take to print? Uh, in total, the whole house was printed uh, in 21 hours and 15 minutes. Of print time? Yeah. Over how many days? Uh, spent, uh, that was uh, seven days, I think. Yeah, seven days. Uh, because, for, for example, uh, we had maximum two models per day. But in the end, some there were like days where we were working because the hall where we have our factory is uh, not always open. So mm -hmm. two models per day with the curing time of, let's say, four hours. Um, yeah, so let's say four to seven days with these two and a half days where we had like shut down. Nice. And you were able to print the full 1.75 meter height? Uh... No, no. So the point was uh, because it was like the first success, because let's, I want to just skip into a quick uh, story mm -hmm. because um, back in October 2021, uh, we, until October uh, 14th, we didn't manage to get like more than 10 or 20 centimeters in height. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what's going on? something is what are we doing wrong because the material looks nice the printing speed is good and it's actually not that high of printing speed it's only i think five centimeters per second or something like that it's really slow and um we knew that the extruder wasn't perfect but in the end it's in continuous flow so we managed to get used to it and try and give the, take the best out of it but then an investor uh, mentioned he would like to come and visit what we were doing and we had nothing to show for we just had this nice looking printer which was like doing something and actually doing nothing and then I will never forget that Stefan which was our uh, mechanical engineer uh, he's just like looked through the window and the sunshine just like th th this little lamp here a sunshine came through and he said I think we're going to make it today. And it was October 14th. They are arriving in five hours and we have nothing. And just from once, I don't know how or why it started growing. And by the time they got there, we were like, yeah, that's what we're doing every day. I mean, that's nothing unusual for us. And we were like, holy man, what's going on? And then because it was like such a huge milestone for ourselves, we just said, we're going to print them in uh, modules not higher than uh, 1.2 meters because the house is the wall is 2.4 meters. We said we're going to split them and just don't risk it because we are like almost crossing the deadline because our main investor, Diagon Invest, they said you will have to finish this by the end of 2021 if you want to get these additional 50K for like R&D then. And we were like, no, 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 I'm not going to risk it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good story. Usually engineering demonstrations go the opposite, where it works every time in preparation and then it comes time for demo day and everything falls apart. But it sounds yeah. like uh, your team came together when it really mattered. And uh, yeah. it, So the new printer, what are the dimensions of the new system, the bigger one? Yeah, the DLR 2.0, which is uh, co-founded by the investment fund from Serbia with ADK, uh, is going to be uh, 10 meters in wide. Um, uh, six meters printing height, so it's a bit little, uh, bigger than uh, six meters because the six meters printing height, and indefinite in length because we said we're going to make it in modules, uh, so you can add these um, modules to actually extend the length. Uh, but that's actually something I think we should then be getting more into it because long term my company, we have uh, a vision where gantry systems aren't actually the long-term goal or success. That's my opinion, and that's what we believe in. So um, maybe let's get a little bit more detailed into it. But yeah, at the moment, DLL 2.0 is the dimensions I mentioned, and it's going to be used for uh, printing houses or, let's say, uh, projects in the Dach region, so Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and the Balkan region, 
And these are the two markets that we are like addressing at the moment. Very nice. So you mentioned you got $100,000 of funding initially, uh, and then an additional $50,000 uh, for research and $80,000 for the new printer. Uh, uh, and in ap April 9th, so the first 100K francs came from uh, like a buddy of mine, so friends and family round. Mm -hmm. Then in uh, April 9th came uh, then I think 200K uh, from an investor both in Switzerland and Serbia. And then they went through Diagon Invest together into Naturek with equity. And then we had additional uh, 80K from the investment fund and 50K additional from Diagon Invest like for additional R&D. Yes. Very nice. And if at any point I ask questions too detailed, you can feel free not to answer. You don't have no, to. No, uh, I'm, I'm open. I mean, when I signed up to this, I'm going to get uh, so detailed that people are going to be, okay, is this really true what he's saying? <laughs> cool. So the new printer, do you have the funding you need to build the new model or are you still doing some more fundraising for that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so we're actually doing a new round now uh, because the hardware is uh, approximately 80% done. Uh, due, thanks to the investment from the investment fund. Um, but again, the, now since April 2022, we have actually been like in a phase where we're like transitioning to Switzerland, expanding a little bit more, and it needs time. And for that expanding or like scaling the company, uh, which is going to be a whole new name, uh, the brand is at the moment being uh, designed and everything. Uh, I'm look, looking forward to when we uh, launch the website uh, is that um, there's an amount of money that we need uh, to actually success and uh, succeed actually in the, in the intents we have. So what do you think is the time frame for you to build that new printer? Uh, that's a great question again. Uh, so deadline is actually that we have the printer ready to print something in the first quarter 2024. Uh, because at the moment, uh, so I moved personally to Switzerland uh, because I want to have the company's headquarters here in Switzerland. And I believe it's a good move. Um, and then since I'm here now, I'm expanding my network, talking to lots of people every day uh, while I'm working as a, a teacher in Institute Montana in Zug and then you know like trying to build a whole new brand l while having learned from Natura Echo which was a great thing and we will definitely keep it in Serbia for the Balkan region because the brand uh, thanks to the presentation of the house back in December uh, 2nd 2021 gained us a lot of popularity. We were like in more than 250 uh, magazines talking to all kinds of news and some people. So we're definitely going to keep it in Serbia as a kind of uh, manufacturing part because it's a good positioned uh, country. Uh, and then from Switzerland being like the head of the company with the new brand, which will be then for marketing, sales and expanding the markets. Cool. What city in Switzerland are you in? Uh, I'm in Einsiedeln, where it's actually where I was born. Uh, so it's southeast from uh, Zürich. And uh, yeah, so it's actually pretty near. So 35 kilometers, I think, from Zürich. And yeah, uh, so I'm connected pretty well. Have you stopped by uh, ETH Zurich? Uh, I, I've actually been studying at Uni Zürich back in 2015. And I know the works ETH is doing with the uh, pillars which they are doing and creative ones. Now they had the showcase, uh, which I think was pretty amazing. And the next thing is actually to go and talk to them a little bit more. But there's also actually another company in Switzerland, a, a real company. Um, I'm sorry if I uh, forgot the name, but I think it's Affentranger or something like that. And they're printing like... Um, vases and walls and columns which are actually being used and I think they're cooperating with Sika mm -hmm. uh, and the quality is just like breathtaking and so inspired yeah nice what kind of features do you look for in the finished quality of your material uh, first of all I want to have like an eye-catching moment where every every layer is the same uh, without any cracks and like uneven things and so on. But the second thing is also I want to go a step further and then um, 
enable more of a kind like going into higher degrees of printing uh, than just like straight walls, but like going into 60, 70 or 80 degrees uh, uh, and so on. And the third thing is also the, the compression, compression strength. Um, but with the reason, in terms of we have now 60 uh, MPA compression strength, which is for Serbia or the Balkan region absolutely unnecessary. But I like the kind of, it gives the customer some kind of like quality assurance and uh, safety assurance. But in the end, I think we are uh, a little bit, when I say we, I think in a whole as a market, a little bit, um, let's say, I don't think it's always necessary to have like 80 MPAs. I think Luton from uh, Australia is having 80 MPA or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it can be over-engineered. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also then the pricing in the end and in terms of like these supply chains and everything going on now in Ukraine and Russia and everything else, I think it's just popping up the price up. And my main goal is in the end, and I just posted like a, two days ago a post on LinkedIn, which gained so much uh, traction like 2,000 impression, 12,000 impressions and so on, is that I want to have printers which almost anyone can afford. And um, th with these prices, um, 1,000 uh, for just like uh, 100,000 for an extruder or 500K for a printer or 1 million K for a printer, I think the customers need something they can try out fast see the the precision that we are always talking about and then use it for their for themselves instead of just like going and having like these huge amounts of prices people can't afford but again uh we're trying to be a little bit different but uh, also again you have to make money because investors are <laughs> yes interested in making money as well yeah it seems like from the interviews i've done some teams that have built their own systems have done so for the same cost, if not cheaper, than it costs to buy some of the existing systems. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what, what's very funny is, um, and I'm gonna again be absolutely 100% uh, transparent, is the DLL 1.0, which is a fully functional printer, you can use and then adapt for your personal needs, uh, cost us, uh, I think, uh, 15,000 euros, not more than 15,000. Uh, and it was built 100% in Serbia. So we had nothing to uh, ship from outside countries and stuff, which gave us the kind of security we wanted to give to the customers in the end. Because um, if there's something missing or you have to replace something, we can assure that we can get it to you. Um, and while Serbia is uh, having good relations both to east and west, we are placed very well because there's the EU on the west, there's uh, other countries in the east, and we can supply all of them. Um, mm -hmm. And in the end, of course, there's going to be a margin, but I think some, some technology uh, is like overpriced. That's my opinion. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like you could sell it for forty thousand or fifty thousand dollars. That's small. And make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of course, you guys need to make some profit in order to fund the future developments of the, the other printers, and yeah. uh, I'm sure there'll also be some kind of support, extended support as well. So you have to price that into. Uh, yeah. They want to be able to call you for help and stuff after they buy the printer. Probably. What would you? What kind of mixing system would you sell to a customer that bought your printer? At the moment, we are, uh, again, trying to have a one-stop shop for customers, uh, be it uh, business customers or like simple end customers. Um, we are now working on a, a system which is called the Necomix. And it's a system where we have actually designed the whole thing, like let's say in a software, so digitally, we have a digital twin, so say like that, which was tested. And now we're talking to, again, PFT and other companies who are like experts in developing mixing systems uh, and trying to get this thing built and tested on field, but again, having our, our own system. Mm -hmm. um, because I believe, again, that having the service a customer needs and then being able to deliver that by uh, one email instead of going to five people for five different things in order to be able to do one project is 
not only like time consuming but also money um and so yes we try to be a tech company data driven giving the customers the tech they need to be able to 3d print constructions yeah cool and uh all the developments that come along with it as it grows and uh yeah so let's get into some of the future possibilities for the technology you mentioned you may move away from gantry systems in the future uh what would be the alternative so we had experiments where we built like a scara system a simple scara robotic arm um and we believe that smaller systems let's say going into the direction like robotic arms um but being more hybrid which means they're like moving or easy to re relocate and i i think apscore has done the best thing actually because it's simple it's easy it's movable and you can go and print into heights and then transfer the printer through the elevator shaft or with with the crane and stuff have you ever um, seen it print yeah i've seen it i mean videos i've not actually seen it uh in real time yeah i've never been able to see it print either i've uh i've tried to visit they have a print in the united states apparently yeah yeah uh, they won't let me stop by that one i <laughs> was able to find the one in dubai yeah uh, i didn't really exactly get permission but they uh i did a little video from the exterior yeah and uh so they definitely have built some pretty impressive structures but yeah. i'd just like to see the process in person i know a lot of challenges can come up and yeah. when they're particularly secretive about printing in person it makes me a little bit anxious about how it would go yeah uh absolutely um what i like uh when we're talking about my company is that uh we have nothing to hide and we always say the things like they are and um i stand behind every mistake and behind every truth that we tell the people um uh, because um again i think this industry which people may have forgotten or didn't read about is the, in germany i think in the 1940s or the 1950s there was a 3d printer which printed something like concrete uh in nuremberg or somewhere and so again it was like too futuristic for that time which it why it didn't succeed and again now we have a second chance uh in history to make 3d printing available in the construction industry by solving real issues and i think the point is what i'm actually getting to is uh people are so mistrusting even though i'm just talking from our perspective uh because we in november 2020 when we entered this science technology park where the company started growing like an incubator and i told the people in an empty warehouse here in a year you will see a 3d printed house coming from a system which does this and this and they were like what's he drinking what's he smoking are you crazy shut down the tv and no really and then i said i know it sounds crazy but actually it isn't uh and then when we did print the house and people were able to touch it and see it and go into it and it's still there every day it's like a showroom now people are trying to i don't know understand how is that possible and my goal is not to actually go with 3d printing and just from today to tomorrow cut out the traditional construction industry and the the means they have but actually support the construction industry in this transition rather than a revolution it's an evolution uh, but in to be able to do so we have to be transparent with the data for as much as possible i know about ndas ips and stuff we have them as well but that there are many things people can understand and yeah yeah i liked what you mentioned about evolution and i think you and apis core one thing you both do really well is developing your own systems which allows for an evolution rather than just using the same things over and over again uh it's the exploration of new methods that are going to realize a lot of the uh, automation benefits and the uh impact that technology can have on the job site Uh, I I'm sure as you've seen it's not easy as you're innovating and going into a new field there's all kinds of stuff that 
comes up yeah. and gets yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, we have a business plan. We have like time timelines, and we're going to do this. And if this happens, we're going to do that. And then in between one and twos, there's like an indefinite number of numbers, right? And exactly the same thing happens on field. And yeah, it's absolutely not easy to innovate and then have something. I mean, having ideas is great. But then turning that idea into a functional product is the second thing. And the third thing is to have something which people want actually to use. And now we're at that phase, which is a whole new uh, challenge. Yeah, what do you guys need most to overcome that challenge after you get the financing sorted out? Um, Definitely a more experienced team than the last time. Or actually building on that team with some senior leadership. Uh, because the people that I am still in contact with, with most of them, is that I want to have them back because they really put their backs and sweat and heart into it. Um, but at, then again, these are guys which are, uh, when we started, 22, 23, 24, not older than 24. I'm the oldest guy. I was like 29. Now I'm 31. And so we have to have these experienced guys who like may be the, the, the voice of reason because I'm everything but reasonable. And I think innovators have to be unreasonable to get to the point where we completely change the mindset. And uh, of course, mistakes are part of the road. But again, having a more experienced team uh, where we can actually focus together with their experience, our dreams, and my crazy like visions, and then mix it all together into a nice product in the end. Is this the first startup venture you've pursued? What were you doing yeah. before this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, I am actually a master of education for language and literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I was working in simple like companies like Goethe, and then I started my first like experience in customer service in 2016 in Digite Galaxus, which is the biggest online sailor in Switzerland. I was there for I think five years, yes. And then I just had in 20, 2019, no, sorry, 2020, in July, I just said, I can't do this anymore. I want to have something of my own. And I have a clear vision because I'm like two years of uh, reading and researching. And then all, on a couch with my wife watching, I think, a movie, we were like, okay, now's the time. Let's do it. Just if we don't do it now, we're never going to do it. And, you know, the rumors started back in the end of 2020 with Corona and everything. And now I was like, is it really the right time to just like start something crazy as this is? Because no one understands where we are, what we are trying to accomplish. And then I just read a post from Warren Buffett, which said, uh, "When others, are, uh, while others are greedy, you be careful. And while others are careful, you be greedy. And I mm-hmm. was like, okay, that's the goal I need. Just, just do it. And then we're going to figure it out, by the way. Um, so that's what it happened. That's how it happened. Yeah, and still, it seems uh, you're one of the earliest companies in the grand scheme of things that's involved in this industry. Are there even any competitors in Serbia? No, absolutely. Not only in Serbia, in the in the Southeast Europe region, we have no one actually near the idea, actually, of trying something like this. We had uh, one guy, uh, which I had a brief contact with. He tried to build, like... Um, a robot which was on wheels who would do some kind of plastering of the walls or evening the walls i don't know i've never actually seen uh, anything more from him but no actually we are, we're the biggest or actually the only one which is good and bad in the one, one turn but again uh for uh, there's a mistake i think 2019 or 2020 a guy from uh, slovenia or slovakia i think contacted me and tried to like negotiate that I buy his technology for 5 million euros uh, for rights to sell his printer. Yes. Uh, Yeah. 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 Now that, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, has there been any kind of network uh, or communication help from other 3d printed construction companies or have they kind of kept themselves? Um, I tried actually to contact, I think it was Cobot, uh, Cobot CEO, 
uh, Hendrik. Mm -hmm. I think I wrote once or something like that, but I can't remember. Uh, and with Nikita from uh, AppScore, I also had like a brief uh, contact. Um, but no, actually, I think that the point is um, now with Cobalt being the biggest player, absolutely, and a huge inspiration. And of course, there's some kind of frustration because you try to build something. And I'm again trying to be completely honest is you see these huge guys now playing in the major leagues with having Samex and uh, Lafarge invest, like the two biggest cement pro uh, producers in the world, both invest in one company. Uh, but that's like only from Europe. We have in US Mighty Buildings, Icon, and other companies, Squared 4 or so on, and in Canada now as well. Uh, but I think the US or actually uh, North and South America markets for themselves and too big to actually even comprehend the size of the, the need for 3D printing. But um, uh, I think so. people should have a round table and support each other because in the next 10 to 20 years, there's going to be cuts. Uh, so the first three companies are going to be like uh, the major players and everyone else will have to fight for scraps. But um, I understand the competition, and competition is healthy because it shows there's actually a need for the kind of service you're providing. Uh, but again, in the end, I think we should be uh, more open to share the experiences we have uh, instead of trying to um, just play at the David and Goliath kind of story. Yeah, I agree with almost all of that, except I don't think anyone has to be fighting for scraps anytime soon because it's decentralized by nature. Printing in new regions is challenging. So once one group has the material mixes and the supply chain dialed in for one region, they kind of have a strong hold on that region and it would be difficult for another team to, uh, they'd have to do a lot of testing and R&D just to get started in that new area. So I think there's a lot of hope for teams that are starting, especially if they're the first in the area, uh, yep. to really make a big name for themselves. Maybe it'll be a few years, but it could take decades for that to play out. Uh, yeah, yeah. But no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I hope so. <laughs> that's one of my favorite parts about it because it's unlikely you'll see one company like Apple just like dominate the whole industry or Google. Uh, so there's a lot of hope, I think, for a lot of the little little players, whether they're building their own systems. Uh, but if you were looking back, if somebody else is just getting started. Would you recommend they buy a system or just get going from scratch? Oh my god, um, I didn't actually think about that. Um, it depends the, at the end goal of the business. Um, because if my business goal was to actually just offer printing services, then I would buy something and just use it. But if your dream is to actually be a tech company, you will have to start from like developing your own system and figure out what's the differentiation between you and the competition and what you're going to offer the systems for. Um, yeah, I, I, but no, I, I would go again the same way I went. Uh, of course, many things I would do different uh, in terms of I will never forget the time we got these 100,000 francs and I felt like a millionaire. I felt it's like so much money. And then... You have the payrolls, you have the warehouse, you have the system, you have the R&D and so on. And it just like a blink of an eye just went away. And that's the thing. But I think you have to learn. I got burned so many times, uh, but it's a good thing. Yeah. And as the, uh, as the industry progresses, let's say 2024 rolls around, you have the new printer out. What do you think the most common prints will be? from groups using that technology? Uh, if just I can relate to the, the, the requests we have from uh, the Balkan region is uh, due to Corona, people are just fleeing the towns and stuff and going to the suburbs or like into mountains and having like these vacation homes and stuff. People definitely want that kind of service at this time. And one of the things I changed or I'm now actually trying to uh, do is I'm giving the people what they need. 
instead of trying to go, okay, we are a tech company, we only give uh, technology to uh, big uh, B2C, uh, B2B, sorry. Now we're going to B2C maybe while trying to figure out, go to the B2B world um, because in the end we have to make money. And uh, that's why we already had a successful negotiation and are now in the process of signing a a contract with a huge construction company from Balkan region who's going to be the main contractor using our technology for these customers. Now we are trying to go into the uh, advanced payment and so on. So to show the investors that we are making money. Um, yes, but also a big thing is uh, when you look at the house we print it, um, it's a good, uh, let's say, composition of wood with concrete and uh, wood floor and a wood roof and stuff. Uh, and that's something people really responded well to. In terms of, I personally, when I look at the houses or buildings being printed, I don't like the way they look in terms of it's 99% concrete mm-hmm. with uh, openings for walls, window, uh, windows, uh, doors and stuff. I would rather go uh, into having mainly like mostly 25 to 50% of the building 3D printed and then coexist with a traditional kind of construction just to show that there's a reason why, for example, uh, the main pillars are 3D printed because it has to be fast and the compression strength is high so you can have a longer lasting building. Or you can go into the design reason. We have these curved walls. You don't need the uh, stuff anymore like the traditional means and so on. Uh, but yes, I would rather go into that kind of, oh, that's where we are going instead of like having these uh, castles. Yeah, I agree. It's nice having a mix of materials in there so it's not a monotonous around uh, aesthetically. And uh, so it sounds like your business will be both selling printers but also printing as a service. Uh, At the moment, definitely. Uh, Because uh, we talk to, especially in the time of December 2021 until uh, April 2022, to a numerous amount of uh, construction companies that they didn't simply understand what technology is for, even though we've showed it to them. Uh, So we are at the moment in this kind of like, say, adaptability, adaptation phase. We're flexible uh, in terms of making money, but long term, we want to be a tech company being B2B. And right now you're in Switzerland scoping out a new team to help you build the new printer? Yes. Uh, so just yesterday we have a, had a great talk with an architect here from a local one who is going to refer us to other people. So now I'm trying to go into this uh, referral kind of uh, networking. And uh, yes, yeah, so let's say the, the, the first team, like with the mechanical engineer and graphical engineer and stuff in the architect, we have already. And I told them just like a few days ago, just count on it that as soon as you're ready and you're still up for it, we're going to have you 100% on board. But again, we have to have people from Switzerland because I believe, um, and that's due to the mindset and experiences I had, people from Western Europe or the West actually like to see people with already some kind of experience either in entrepreneurship or the industry you're actually uh, working in instead of just having like kids trying to accomplish something. And I, I know that and I learned that. I didn't want to accept it, but now I understand why. So you're looking to build that team. And if someone is listening that fits that description, what's the best way for them to reach you? The best way is absolutely through uh, email. Uh, go to our website, contact form. It's going to go directly to welcome at naturaico.com uh, or Instagram. Uh, yeah, I will... I'm more than happy to talk to any kind of, uh, let's say, lunatics who want to change the construction industry. Yeah, and if some of those lunatics want to buy a printer, what's the best way for them to introduce that idea? Yeah, uh, well, as if you want, for example, have a small house 3D printed or uh, something nice just for your living room, like, uh, uh, I don't know, a table or a a bench or something, we're there to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of region could you serve? Would you be able to ship it uh, all within Europe and internationally? Yeah, so at the moment we're, we're definitely focusing again on the Balkan region and the Central Europe region because the moment we start building the team, the, the small printer is going to be shipped to Switzerland for actual tryouts here. And another one, the big one, will be built first in Serbia. 
Cool. Do you have any prints scheduled in the short term coming up? Uh, at the moment, no. So we are absolutely 100% focusing on getting investors on board, uh, building the team, and then starting them starting 2023 with print schedules and new models and building the printer and then going from there. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about the rotor stators? Uh, did you have any troubles with those? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Can oh we my talk God. about that? Yes. It's a little uh, bit detailed, but I think there's some uh, nerds like me listening who want to hear it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So the first thing we did was, again, we purchased everything in Serbia, uh, but the rotors and, rotors and stators had like some kind of issues in terms of they didn't may they weren't able to push the speed or the, the strength of the extruder. And then it had like, uh, uh, it broke down and just like stood there while the concrete was pouring out. And we were like, okay, there's some kind of issues. I'm no mechanical engineer myself, so I wouldn't be able to give like more details. But then what we did is we talked to Siemens. And um, again, Mikal and uh, other guys, Moose from Switzerland again, and so many other people uh, helped us with their knowledge. And uh, Zoran, I think again, who is the head for Serbia. Um, and then we were able to like change them uh, and from there on, it went nice. But again, that's the reason. I mean, I myself or my young team, we wouldn't be able to just like think what could be the reason for the blocks or uh, the blockades and stuff on the shutdowns. And so that's why we need these, these experts on board. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's very hard to get started, get printing, uh, and especially to be building your own system from scratch where did you turn to for ideas of how to get started? One guy. And what that, that's the first guy that I had a contact with, uh, Nemanja. Uh, I think it was in July 2020. My, my wife just like said, I know this guy who is young and he seems to be crazy enough to just listen to you, understand maybe what you're talking about. And I gave him a call and he was like, I've been waiting 10 years for a guy like you. Because why did he say that? Uh, I think he, uh, he built his own 3D printer for PLA uh, in high school for a project. Wow. Yes. Uh, and I was like, okay, can we meet? And then we met and so on. But um, again, uh, he is a really smart guy. Uh, and, uh, but again, it's not one man job. It's a team, it's a uh, cooperation, it's sharing. And that's why we need, we need a bigger team with people who understand responsibility, who understand the, the, the dangers of going to something. No one can guarantee you, guarantee you that it's going to be a success. And in the end, of course, we need people who can respect the team because we have value in, in our company, which is called Iskra. And Iskra is like the first five, uh, it's the first letter of five words. And Iskra actually translated into English means the spark. And E is I for innovative or S is for like self-responsible. Uh, K is for creative or cooperative. R is for rational. And A is for ambitious. And I need people who actually can have these values and understand them and only by having the people like Boyan or Luca who were like there, even if we had to work until like 1 or 2 a.m. And then they spent time away from their families is going to make the dream work. That's, that's how I think. Yeah, this industry seems to attract a lot of people with those values. And it's cool yeah. to see young people getting excited about their jobs on construction sites. That's fairly uncommon. Uh, it's like a shared story of people around the world getting a, a renewed excitement for bringing technology on job sites where they're willing to put in extra time and effort, even going home and watching YouTube videos about how the technology works to uh, iron it out and see what other groups are doing. And some, it's even some of the guys who don't own the company. They're like the construction laborers who are going above and beyond to learn about it. So it's uh, it's been really cool to see. I'm sure you meet a lot of passionate people who uh, even just come by to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but, but the funny thing was uh, older guys 
came and they were like, I cannot believe that you did that with this machine without any people. I said, okay, there were two people there. But he was like, yes, two people without any form work, without any uh, like these, I don't know, anything. And I was like, yeah, I mean, maybe sometimes I should like be more aware of the impact we did uh, instead of just like, okay, I'm not satisfied, I'm not satisfied, I'm, sat I'm never satisfied. But sometimes you just have to go step back and say, okay, we did a huge thing. Because to be honest, and that's what I tell myself before I go to bed is, no one can ever say again that you didn't do it because there are like 250 articles, so many videos on YouTube, and you were in the news and people know about you, and you changed something. And now it's the next step. And yes, talking about the next step, I just remembered, uh, we were talking earlier a bit more, is there like some kind of cooperation be between different companies from the sector? Uh, due to the, the, the post I had on LinkedIn, so many people contacted me, and one of them is the CEO of Lutien from Australia. Mm -hmm. And Ahmed and I are having a call this week. Just like to talk a bit more, maybe there's some kind of mutual interest, maybe there's some kind of space for cooperation, and that's what I think will get the 3D printed construction to the level that people will accept it in the end. Only when we work together, in some amount. Yeah, that's great. He's been on the podcast too. They have a good team. Uh, yeah, I share a lot of similar values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been following his work like for for a very long time now, and I've seen the new printer they are like talking about and stuff and the material and so on. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. And uh, so, what do you think the biggest challenges to overcome are for scaling up uh, in terms of the cost, maybe, or the reliability, training people? There's a lot of stuff, but finding the new the, the the good investor, the right investor, I think it's the first main thing we have to accomplish. Um, because in terms of having money, is one thing, uh, but having the support or the understanding of the investor, and uh, someone who is like he, investors' mindset, my I think should change a bit from simply software development into high-tech hardware with software uh, because the construction industry cannot work without, uh, with software only. We have to have machines who can support the software and if you put the new software into a crane which was used 10 years ago, you can't do anything. So the right investor is the first thing. The second thing definitely uh, growing as a team in terms of constant learning and support, actually supporting each other. And the third thing is um, attracting the right kind of people who are willing to get the product and try something new. Because again, it's a new area. It's something where I'm not only, I'm not even expecting uh, like a huge number of people from today to tomorrow in the next five years to simply say, I want a 3D printed house. But I was impressed or shocked that we have 40, uh, 64, 64 people in the CRM who want something 3D printed by our company. And that's the, 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 the stress I'm now actually trying to get uh, into uh, cash flow is if we wait any longer, these people will, one, either turn to the competition, which is, I think, the worst which can happen to us, or the second thing, they will just get back to traditional kind of construction and do it themselves. But in both ways, it's money lost. And that's now the thing, uh, to actually get customers receive the product they want. Yeah, so once you have the wall structures uh, down, what would be the next thing you'd like to automate on a job site? Uh, definitely the, the foundation. Uh, because I believe there's still too much work and dirt and uh, waste around or money, uh, not just money, time wasted on building the, the, the foundation. Uh, and I, that's the thing. I want to have these hybrids which can actually do not only just like extrusion, 
but also laying the the, uh, the reinforcements, which is why we developed a, a system called ARMIT, like ARMIT, uh, and then it's able to place the reinforcement automatically, and the prototype is done. Um, and then now we're trying to figure out how to integrate it into a gantry system. And then the next step is how do we do excavation, transportation of the excavated material from the foundation, maybe, maybe, that's now I'm just like talking a little bit more into the future, because um, when we see, uh, what's the name of the company again, who uh, 3D printed the, the, the earth-based uh, house uh, in Italy? Wasp. Wasp, yes, exactly. I believe that if you do excavation, and then you have some kind of sensors or software we can which can tell you this kind of material is in this waste and we can use approximately 20% of the material by adding additional concrete or cement-based material we developed with additives and then use it on-site mm -hmm. instead of transporting it. So it's cutting the supply chain. And in the end, then doing the foundation with it, I think that's the main thing that we would like to focus to. And in the end, not just like putting walls but also the, the foundation and the reinforcement of the walls in one system. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to imagine how to get there, but it just makes sense yeah. if you'd want to build with local materials. And if you're picking yeah. something up anyway, you can reuse that. Uh, it's all Maybe. very first. That's first. just like a theory now. But I, I believe, for example, uh, if we go back into history in Serbia, for example, the Balkan region, actually, people built these um, mud houses with clay and these straws of uh, grass and stuff from site. And this house, I have a house uh, in the village where my father was born. This house is 260 years old, still standing. It has some cracks because of the clay like drying out and stuff, but it's a local site material. How is it not possible to use the same kind of principle, but just like with advanced tech? Uh, yes, yeah, that's kind of where I'm trying to get. Yeah, the only bias there is that there was probably a whole village of homes around it, and it's the only one that made it all those years. But that means it's special. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But you know, the problem is, um, I think is like 2016 or 2017, the first uh, article came out, I think, about Icon being. Mm -hmm like a new company, there's going to be a company who's going to do this and that. And then, we have, yeah, and then we have like 2018, the first 3D printed house in Denmark, this small one from Cobot. Uh, before that, if you would have told someone, there's going to be a machine there which is going to print walls and you're going to have a house, I think everyone would have said, what the hell are you talking about? So impossible is just a word, not a fact. Uh, and that's why we need, and what I love, what I really love about 3D construction printing, or actually, I don't like to call it anymore 3D construction printing, but more like additive manufactured construction, is that um, it's a symbiosis of so many different branches of industry, robotics, engineering, materials, software. Uh, and then you have so many other things, design, architecture, and so on and so on. And that's what I like because people always ask us, okay, so you're now building something. You're just going to automate the whole process. And so you're, going, you're taking the jobs away. And I'm like, how many people do you know now, 20, 25, who want to go work on the construction site? And they're like, no one. And that's the problem. That's the gap we have to fill. We're not going to try to take the jobs, but like educate people to have a more like modern kind of construction and instead of just like having robots in iRobot taking over the world, it's like a collaboration of automated systems, be it gantry systems, robotics, or hybrids, and people who will, who will like then educate it uh, uh, appropriately. And ideally, the people's jobs who are still on site, their jobs become easier and easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How can the next generation prepare to work with this technology? 
the first thing is start learn, learning Python. <laughs> I'm joking, but yeah, people will have to get like, um, first of all, some kind of like basic knowledge, what a 3D printer is. And to be honest, I think every school should have a 3D printer, no matter what kind of the subject. Uh, and the second thing is the next generation, I think not only of people using the technology, but people developing the technology should be able to get a deeper understanding what kind of crisis we're facing in terms of housing crisis, sustainability. And uh, I think, yeah, the awareness that there's actually an issue happening uh, and that we have to find a solution long-term, not just like making a bubble out of it, but... Um, yeah, I think these two things will need to happen as soon as possible. Do you know Python? Yeah, absolutely. I learned it. I I, had to, I taught it myself because uh, as a language teacher, I was always like, okay, I'm speaking four languages fluently, and now I'm learning Swedish as well. And I'm like, but I need some kind of program language. And then I started back in 2019 with simple Python, Tiger Python, actually, the software which you can do the download and stuff. And step by step i went in deeper and deeper into it but not like i i'm maybe one day maybe one day i'm going to be a software developer which, which i would very much like because i believe you need to have the knowledge to be able to lead a tech company and be a tech engineer yeah. not just like someone with visions yeah, you need to understand how to get into minutiae a little bit so you understand how it works. Yeah. That way you're not making unrealistic requests. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you understand how much time it takes and effort to really get solve some of the problems. Uh, Absolutely. I actually am, I took a Python course in school and now I'm revisiting Python a little bit with a, a course online. And uh, I've just noticed getting in the habit of like practicing it more. My thinking for other things is changing to be more like if or while oriented and uh yeah and i, I think that, that's good. that's smart yeah that's smart because i had a kid in school who was um just like bored with the things i was teaching in terms of excel even though excel is a database and you have these uh functions like if happens then when and then you get red or white and i told her would you be interested in doing a tiger python course and she was like what's tiger python and that's it's an online course where you can do python basics and with the small turtle being building programs and stuff and she said yes now She's doing like uh, IT courses for like, I don't know what. And that's the thing. People need to get inspired, but also supported by the teachers. Yeah. How many people on your initial team knew Python? I think only two. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, we had a small team, five people. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think, so the point is when we get to the point that we have the means necessary, I would definitely definitely outsource anything which hasn't to do with technology itself so architecture or uh designing machines and stuff but i would keep software mechanical engineers material engineers so i want to be an engineering company no doubt mm -hmm. yeah it's cool to see as the industry expands more resources are dedicated to it so you get more uh, in each of those sectors more advanced as the time goes on and a lot of yeah. smart people are working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Is there a, what did we not get to cover yet? What did we not get to cover? Yeah. For example, maybe a shot in the dark, like for the future. Um, I truly believe that, um, for example, by looking what the United, uh, uh Arabic Emirates are doing, uh, with these like uh, initials that they have, will have to have twenty by twenty twenty five or twenty thirty, everything three D printed in the construction industry. These kind of major steps need to happen, and also with uh, uh, Stefan Mansour leading the whole. Uh, um, baby. Uh, yes, yes, which I'm very proud of to be a part of, and then. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, Stefan Reichle or Richard Reichle, I forgot the name, uh, also leading in the IM again. So, um, but my again opinion is uh, that fixated systems on earth aren't going to be able to fulfill the need 
in terms of speed, transportability, and like going into indefinite heights. And that's why I said something maybe a little bit ambitious, but I think it's unreasonable with the reason is drones uh, adapted, not the kinds of drones we know today, in the next, I don't know, 20, 50, 100 years will take over the construction industry, not only in terms of surveillance, but actually executing some kind of work. Yeah. carrying something somewhere, maybe even printing if we manage to get the access like stable in every kind of way without any wind interference and the, the, the vibration of the extrusion and stuff. But I have these little bit crazy ideas which I would very much like to get into the time when the time gets right. But again, uh, gantry systems I think are not a solution but only like phase one because if you have an urban region a huge city and you have this giant 3d printer how are you gonna get it located in somewhere if you have to shut down uh, first Avenue or I don't know which huge street just to get the printer somewhere and then second things I think phase two which some companies already accomplished is like Episcore like these robotic systems I forgot the name of the company which built like it, it it's like an arachnid system like a huge spider instructions uh, yes that's the kind of thing which is phase two, in my opinion, and phase three are these uh, drones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could even take the form of drones like the Tesla bot that they just unveiled. Uh, yeah. Looks like a humanoid robot. I mean, that's just a crazy, it's hard to even imagine, but yeah. hopefully I get to film those on a job site someday. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, you have done an amazing kind of work, Jared, and uh, I know the first post I saw by you uh, was in so inspired, and thank you very much the time you put into like spreading the knowledge uh, of 3D printing, because that's what we need. You're like the ambassador to all of us. Yeah, thank you, man. It's a lot of fun, and the work you guys are doing to actually develop the technology, uh, it's so great that there's so many people like you who are willing to let me share your story uh, and be kind of transparent. I know it's not easy to do. You have your startup, so there's all kinds of IP you want to keep safe, and uh, it's awesome. Uh, I'm honored that you're willing to share your story with me. The honor is on my side. Thank you very much for having me. Cool, man. Well, we'll do it again soon, maybe once you get that uh, second printer built, uh, and it'll be with your new branding and new business, maybe, but... Uh, as everything keeps changing, we'll keep adding chapters to this story. Thank you, man.